Hey, everybody. Welcome to Half Hour Power. Joe Diesel here. This is Jeremy sitting in for Jesse, who's currently undergoing an exorcism. <laughs> he needs one of those, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's long overdue. Yeah, yeah well, we're uh, here with the second horror installment for October, and uh, we picked uh, the 80s. Um, now, you and I both uh, grew up in the 80s. That we did. We are old and thinkers men. <laughs> yeah. Now, the 80s was, a, in my opinion, was a great decade for horror. There's lots of great horror movies coming out in the 80s. What do you think about that, Jeremy? I have to agree wholeheartedly. Uh, back in the days before CGI, when everything was real and gritty and in your face, it was a beautiful, beautiful time to uh, be a child experiencing these horrific moments. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just uh, here's a few uh, memorable. Uh, there's too many to name, and I'm probably not going to name your favorite. And uh, when when I don't name your favorite for anybody listening uh, now or on archive, uh, just go to our uh, Facebook page and leave us a message that you are outraged, just absolutely outraged that I did not name your favorite. Or, Jeremy, if he doesn't name your favorite, just write on there your outrage. What's a couple? I mean, we got, you know, the big ones, the big two that I remember the most growing up from the 80s. And those were everywhere. Were uh, Friday the 13th, you know, obviously Jason and the Elm Street series, which those are both have good movies and bad movies in their series. But what, what are uh, some of the other ones? Jeremy, that you remember? Oh, God. You know, I remember. I remember uh, the stuff about the uh, whipped cream, whatever it is, um, that the people eat, and it transforms them into mindless zombies. There's a terror vision. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, that movie is worthy of cult following. And, of course, the Hellraiser movies, more specifically the first two, I think we both agree that they could have ended the series after the second movie. And uh, Xanadu, oh, Oh, wait a minute, that's, that's not horror in the strictest sense. But, it's, you know, yeah, it takes for someone's perspective, it is horrific. You know, Culture Guys, Monster Squad, Unhouse, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, any of the Cronenberg movies, and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you went through quite a bit there. You got, yeah, I mean, you oh, got yeah, American yeah. World. Yeah, yeah, you got American World. London came out there in the 80s. You had... Uh, Silver Bullet, uh, Lost Boys, uh, Near Dark, Fright Night, The Beyond, <laughs> From Beyond, Reanimator, and Chud. Ah, who can forget the Chud? Yeah, you can't forget Chud. I, I know it's uh, Ryan's favorite horror movie. If he's listening, he can be outraged that. I named his favorite horror movie. <laughs> so he can uh, express his outrage that I named his favorite one. But anyway, uh, we were going to just uh, discuss just two that, uh, oddly enough, they are both remakes. And I think they're both good remakes of uh, earlier horror films. So uh, we're going to start out talking about The Fly. Then we're going to go into The Thing here. And a little bit, 
And uh, the fly, that's an inter- You've seen the fly, right? Oh, God, yes. Now, definitely the one of fly the in- Yeah, it, it's, uh, it was good. I was real impressed with that. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but uh, I, I do remember uh, the Vincent Price one um, and really enjoying that one and was kind of – I think I saw that one first. You you happen to know which one you saw first? Well, I, I saw the thing first because it came out first. Well, I mean, uh, did you see the Vincent Price fly? Oh, before yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, saw the um, – the remake, the Cronenberg uh, 1986 remake, before I saw the original Vincent Price one. Oh, okay. And uh, so I was looking this up, and I didn't know this. I never really thought about it, really, uh, or probably I didn't pay any attention to the credits. <laughs> but The Fly is actually based on a uh, story, and uh, The Fly has a connection to Playboy. Can you guess what that is, Jeremy? I'm guessing that the uh, story was originally published in Playboy. Oh, right on, yeah. It was originally published in June of 1957 in Playboy. What's that? I'm I'm guessing the fly didn't pose in Playboy. (laughs) No, I don't think he did. We'd have to go find that issue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see who who was in there, but uh, George Langlin wrote the fly. And uh, according to the synopsis, uh, I was reading. I haven't read the short story. It uh, pretty closely uh, the 1958 movie pretty closely followed that short story, wouldn't you say? Did you get a chance to read that synopsis? Uh, yes, I did, and yeah, I was going to say, unlike The Thing, where the remake is closer to the source material, the original 1958, The Fly, is closer to the Langland's original story. I have to agree. That's an odd uh, transposition there, that, <laughs> and, and we didn't plan that. We didn't we didn't plan that when we picked these movies to talk about that the it went that way. It just kind of happened. That's kind of funny. <laughs> um, also... Uh, so in the original Fly series, there's three movies, and I totally forgot about the third movie. I I don't know why. I haven't seen all three of those. Have you seen all three of the original Fly? I have not. I've just seen the first two. Yeah, so you, you might have seen the third one and forgot about it, because I forgot all about that third one until I was uh, reading up on the Fly. <laughs> first of the Fly. But, uh, yeah, so they uh, – and the other thing I, I found out, and I didn't know this, is that there is a opera based on the fly. Did you know that? I did not until you told me. That's <laughs> great. Beautiful. Yeah, the, it's based on the uh, 86 movie, I believe, and it's by Howard Shore. Now, what's the Howard Shore's uh, connection to the fly? Is, is Does he have a more of a connection to the fly than just the opera? Uh, yes, he does. Uh, he generally... Um, scores all of Cronenberg's films, and, of course, he scored the uh, 1986 remake of The Fly that Cronen- uh, David Cronenberg directed. So that's why I'm thinking yeah. he... Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. I'm going to have to try and find that and see that. I'm kind of interested. Uh, how would the songs go? <laughs> I'm going to go see the opera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how would that... How does that play out <laughs> in opera <laughs> form? <laughs> <laughs> I've my molecules have been 
I would say, uh, let's see, uh, David Cronenberg, if you haven't seen any Cronenberg films, I mean, when I was uh, thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I I thought of The Brood, and then I looked at the dates, like, oh, The Brood's not the 80s, but, man, Cronenberg, so that stuff, you know, The Brood, Rabid, Scanners, that's some good stuff, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Some of my favorite memories from uh, my childhood, which, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we you know, set on the fly, let the fly right there in the middle of the eighties. Uh it's uh it's pretty solid. It's one of uh Cronenberg's if not Cronenberg's uh, most financially successful film at the box office. Oh yeah. Um it's got Gina Davis in it, it's, uh Jeff Goldblum, David Cronenberg's even in it. He plays a gynecologist, imagine that. <laughs> uh, you can write the role for yourself. I'm going to be the gynecologist, Regina Davis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, there's that scene where he's right there, and Gina Davis is looking at him in that special way. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it it pretty much follows what it's supposed to do, you know. The guys mm-hmm. creating uh, those. Uh, the uh, transporters, and uh, when he experiments on himself, a fly gets in the transporter and makes things go wrong. The biggest difference, I, I, I think, is that his transformation is like a little more subtle because it actually spliced the genes together. Mm-hmm. Whereas in uh, the Vincent Price fly, it gave him his head and his arm and some of the insides, I guess. Right? Yes, it's, it's, it's more instantaneous in the original story, as in the uh, 1986 version, it's a slower process as he, you know, slowly transforms. Yeah, it's a, and it's interesting to watch the subtleness of it happen, and, uh, you know, just first thing is like, uh, his name is Brundle. And he called he's the uh Seth Brundle is the scientist's name, Jeff Goldblum's character. I'm sorry. I said that backwards. <laughs> but uh the first thing he notices is uh he's a lot stronger. So he impresses Gina Davis by doing some push ups and some pull ups and some other things and then they perform with each other. <laughs> Before Viagra, all I had to do was go into a teleportation booth and get your DNA mixed with a fly, and you're good to go. You know, your sexual prowess. That's right. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what he thinks. She thinks something else is wrong, and he thinks that it's because he uh, was taken apart and put back together. (laughs) Yeah, it purified him. He thinks he's been purified. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There's a a lot of uh, really... uh, Interesting moments with his transformation, and uh, I think everybody uh, would mention this one. Uh, it, it's the most memorable, I think, is the very, very end where his the rest of his body is falling away. He's trying to throw Gina Davis into the other uh, teleporter so he can sort of make himself human again, because that's what he thinks he needs to do, is to go back through the teleporter with a uh, more pure human, to sort of watch out for the fly DNA. Yeah. 
So and he falls away, and there is uh, he's he's like this big walking fly, and that's all. Yeah, that, that's all practical. That's all prosthetics. There, that's all you know animatronics, and it looks great. What do you think yeah. about that? I, I think it was an awesome job by the. Um, I forget the name of the uh, gentleman who uh, did the makeup effects in that, though I know he went on to direct the second movie. But, um, yeah, he but back then, uh, that to me was impressive. Uh, it was a lot more interesting to look at than some CGI cartoon, that, you know, slick and shiny and perfect. You know, this actually took some people on the set, you know, time to sculpt and put together, and then, you know, you had to um, put in the lighting and everything, and it was just a lot more impressive, I think, than anything that could be done with a CGI cartoon fly. Yeah, and uh, the fellow's name who designed the creatures is Chris Wallace, W-A-L-A-S. He also designed uh, Creatures and Gremlins. So. Yeah, he did, yeah. You know, they, yeah, they were in good hands there. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, and back to what you're saying, they they got... Those type of effects, they got some kind of weight to them that CGI doesn't seem to have. Exactly. And uh, it's actually in the room. Yeah, so someday it'll get there, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so? You think it'll ever get there? I seriously doubt it. I mean, I know they've made leaps and bonds, uh, but I, I think some of the most Impressive CGI has always required at least someone acting out the part and then having someone draw all over them, like Gollum, of course, Andy Serkis, uh, his great performance. Without his great performance, you wouldn't have, you know, that great character Gollum, you know, because otherwise yeah. Gollum's just CGI cartoon. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it always has to, uh, it, it's best to use as much practical as possible, and then bring the CGI only when you need to paint up a little bit here and there and slick, you know, slick things up. That's how CGI should be used. That's just another tool in the artist's uh, bag of tricks. That is well said. I could not have said that better myself. Now, um, if you haven't seen this this version of the fly, you should. De- it is definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth watching. It's uh, got a lot of uh, unsettling moments in it. It's highly entertaining. What do you think about that, Jeremy? What would you say? Worth I agree. Being, worth buying? It's definitely worth buying. I'm uh, I'm definitely got to go out and get the Blu-ray version of it and, uh, you know, cherish it, put it up on a, a pedestal and bow down to it every night. I, I love that movie so much. <laughs> right on. Well, right now we're up against the break, so we're going to see what our sponsors have to say about the fly. Awesome. Are you sick and tired of all those horror movies that promise to scare you, only to leave you cold in your coffin? You long for that one special horror movie experience that makes you lose control of your bladder and your bowels at the same time? The wait is over! Get to your local theater today and get a line for The Fly Thing. That's right, The Fly Thing. Do you think Jason is scary? <laughs> He's a hockey puck compared to the fly thing. Does Freddy Krueger invade your dreams? <laughs> well, he's a meatball compared to the fly thing. The fly thing is so vicious and so brutal and so depraved, you get a bark back 
charming with every ticket purchase. The fly thing is coming to your town. Warning, if you want to see the best horror movie ever made, The Fly Thing, you better get in line now. If you don't, The Fly Thing may show up at your house and tear you asunder. The Fly Thing is rated R. Children under 17 must be accompanied by a parent or legal guardian. All right, and we are back, and uh, we're going to get into uh, the next movie we're going to be talking about, The Thing. Jeremy, I remember when I saw The Thing for the first time. It was one of those movies I just hadn't seen and hadn't seen, and uh, you uh, you had a VHS copy of it, and you said, have you seen this yet? And I said, no, I just I hadn't seen it. Well, sit down, we're watching it. <laughs> and that's what we did. We watched the thing, and I remember enjoying the heck out of that. And because uh, I think you you thought it was odd at the time because I like John Carpenter. You said this is John Carpenter. You need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me that's John Carpenter's best movie. And I was just surprised you'd never seen it. And I was like, really? This is like his all time best movie. I mean, everyone always says Halloween's his best movie, but I I have to beg to differ. Halloween. It was a great film, but the thing is his masterpiece. Yeah, the, th- the thing has got a lot of uh, cool unsettling uh, bits in there. Now, I think you mentioned earlier that it is based on a short story. Yes, it's based on the uh, uh, novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell, Jr. And uh, I've read it. It's a, a damn good short story. And uh, Carpenter's version is a lot closer to um, the novella than Howard Hawks' 1951 version, The Thing from Another World, even though Howard Hawks' version is also a really good film. But, you know, he has a plant monster, whereas John Carpenter's version, like the uh, short uh, the novella, is an actual this creature, alien creature that uh, basically takes you over and devours you and then basically recreates you after it's digested you. And that's just plain scary. Yeah, it, it copies you, and uh, you don't know, and your friends don't know. Well, you you don't know. You're dead, but <laughs> your yeah, friends exactly. don't know that you, well. you've been copied. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, one of the interesting things about this, too, uh, is uh, it's got a good cast, a, a pretty good ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David. Should we go on? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, those are like the three uh, best known, I think, actors in it. Kurt yeah. Russell, especially, is uh, yeah, as McReady, the uh, helicopter pilot. He's just awesome in it. I mean, he uh, basically uh, embodies the, he basically embodies that character with this um, wary, antisocial, been there, done that charm. Uh, you know, this is a character that uh, when we as an audience first meet him, he dumps a cup of scotch into a computer, destroying it because he lost at a game of electronic chess. Uh, he's a character that relies on his instincts. You know, he's a perfect protagonist against this otherworldly horror. Yeah, he is. It, uh, what, what would you say is uh, one of the most memorable bits in that movie for you? 
I think uh, the most memorable moment, I mean, I think that's for a lot of people as well, is when they do the blood test. And that is just such a uh, creepy moment. It's filled with such tension because you don't know, you know, who's going to become the thing. And he's sitting there, and they're like, you know, everyone cuts their hands and bleeds into a, a vial. And then he gets the, uh, a hot wick into the vial, and uh, whoever's infected with the thing, the blood will attempt to get away from the hot vial. And that's how you determine who's the thing. And that's a great uh, moment in it. And yeah, that is a great moment. And, and one of the other parts of that moment is they don't know if that experiment's going to work. So the audience is sitting there. They got that double thing going on there, like, is that going to work, and who's the thing? <laughs> well, I also have to say that uh, the, the other great moment in there is um, the scene in the kennel when the thing first rebuilds itself. You know, it's um, the race of the hairs on my neck still to this day, that, uh, with the dogs barking, the men's and keeping them rushing back and forth in the dark, the uh, enclosed area, the alarm going off, and then you got this thing emerging from this dog out of the shadows, and it lets out this alien roar. It's just blood-curdling and, uh, uh, you know, totally otherworldly and creepy as hell. Yeah, it is. That That is a great uh, a great scene there, and it's uh, – the effects there were done by – Oh, yeah, it was – Yeah, it was Robot. Yeah, it was Robot. Robot did uh, – he did most of the special effects in there, and the dog creature. Now, were there two different dog creatures? Uh, well, Robot, Wasn't there a couple different, or was there one, or there was just the main dog creature? I think Stan Winston did the main dog creature effect there in the kennel, uh, with the creature emerging from the dog uh, for the first time, mm-hmm. and he had seen it for the first time. I think that, yeah, that was all Stan Winston there. Yeah, so you had those two guys. Those guys were ended up being masters, especially after that, mm-hmm. uh, after the movie The Thing. I mean, that, that, the effects in there are great, the creatures popping out of the uh, – I mean, who could forget that uh, walking head after the head falls off the guy? I forgot that character's name. That's horrible, but <laughs> his head oh, falls yeah. off. It scoots away. I think that's what gave uh, Kurt Russell the idea for the uh, blood, the way he did the blood test. Well, mm-hmm. he saw it try to survive yeah, when he murdered that part. And that's, it's great when the head starts walking away. One of the characters looks at it and goes, what the? You've got you to be, be kidding me. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a great moment. It is. I mean, you got those, you got those moments of uh, comedy relief and such a uh, dark. This movie is extremely dark, very nihilistic. There is no hope of a, a good outcome for any of these characters. And by the end of it, you got the two main characters setting out after they've destroyed the, uh, the uh, compound, you know, it's all in flames, and they're just setting out there in the snow. No one, neither knows if the other one's the thing, you know, and they, they just basically are going to freeze to death, and they're just sharing a bottle of uh, whiskey, and that's just how it ends. And that's like one of the first movies that really got to me as a kid, where I'm like, Oh my God! This uh, is such a pirate victory. Um, there is, you know, even a hero can die. No matter how much he fights to um, succeed, you know, he may just die in the end. He's just that's just how the cards fall sometimes. And that's influenced me as a writer, of course. Oh yeah, that that is a great ending. And uh, there is a uh, 
a, a uh, another scene out there that Carpenter shot that's supposedly the happy ending. Yeah, uh, uh, one of the producers told him, hey, why we have Kurt Russell, let's try to shoot a happy ending just in case we need it. And, of course, um, Carpenter shot it, but he never used it because he never wanted that happy ending. Yeah, I guess the happy ending is they didn't need to use the happy ending. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be where uh, Kurt Russell gets rescued, and they take him back, uh, and they do some tests on him, and they're like, oh, you know, congratulations, you're still human. Well, the end. That was the happy end. Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't use that either because that that is such a great ending when they're just sitting there. They know when the fire goes out, they're gonna die. They're gonna freeze to death. (laughs) They're just looking at each other, waiting to die. I mean, that's that's where so many people uh, screw up when they're doing these type of movies. And you have this dark, nihilistic film, and then you got this tacked-on happy ending at you know, and and you know they was just put there for the producers' sake, so that the producers, because the producers, are, producers are afraid that the audience will go like, no, man, no, you can't kill Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. He's in big trouble, little China. No, and so <laughs> gotta keep him alive. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Blade Runner is sort of a example of that. <laughs> Exactly that. And then at the end, where he's driving away with uh, Sean Young. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's that's not quite a horror movie, but uh, it certainly <laughs> has some of those. It certainly has some of those fun elements in there. And yeah, we're, we're uh, approaching the end of the show here. And uh, hopefully, if uh, you haven't seen any The Thing or The Fly, or even a lot of these '80s horror movies. Go check them out. Um, yeah, well, where would you say to start? Yeah, I would say the thing on the fly are good places to start. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're two of the best um, horror films from the 80s, for sure. Yeah, I mean, then obviously, if uh, for some reason you haven't seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, you need to see it. <laughs> oh, the original, not that crappy remake. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the 80s, you just go and look at some of these lists from these 80s movies, and we named a whole bunch of them. And, uh, I mean, yeah, even Poltergeist, Serpent the Rainbow, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. <laughs> Prince of Darkness, you know, another John Carpenter. The Gate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Gate. Yeah. The Gate was the 80s, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's all that is a huge decade, a, a great decade for horror movies. And, uh, yeah, we've had a great time talking about these two. You got any uh, final thoughts here? Uh, my final thought is that if you haven't seen the thing, uh, first of all, uh, which rock have you been hiding under all these years? And, you know, secondly, run out to your nearest uh, store, Blockbuster, wherever, and find it, rent it, buy it, whatever you need to do, and just embrace that movie and love it for all the uh, horror goriness that it is. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think uh, also, and we talked about this a little bit. The the thing in the fly uh, are some of the best of those effects of those of that era, and I think they still hold up today. And in some ways, they look better than some of what the new stuff is. Oh, my some of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, uh, if you're one of those people that I've talked to that. Says I, I won't watch them for uh, because 
there. They don't have computer effects, which, oddly enough, I actually have talked to people who have said that. More than one person has said that to me. Have you ever encountered that, Jeremy? No, because if I did, I'd probably have to smack them upside their head. But other than that, um, no, no one's ever said that to me. It was hard not to. <laughs> it, was, it was hard not to. Well, um, we've had a great time talking about this. And uh, hopefully, you know, go back, look at some of the 80s horror movies, check them out. Uh, next week, we are not going to be go- doing the show at the regular time, Friday night. It's going to be moved to Sunday night just for next week due to uh, forces beyond my control. But we're going to be talking about Edgar Allan Poe and mostly about the uh, Roger Corman Poe movies, a lot of them starring Vincent Price. What do you think about that, Jeremy? Sound good? Sounds awesome to me. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, Poe and Halloween, that's great. Mm. (laughs) That would be a good combination, though. Definitely. All right. Well, we will uh, see you next time.